today? He's, yeah, yeah, I need, I need you to come in today. I was like, this seems really, like, I, you know that I've never been to medical school. I'm not a doctor. He goes, yeah, I know, but it'll be a good experience if you ever do, like, a medical mission or something. I'm like, uh, okay. He goes, yeah, I need you here at 1.30. Okay, so he goes, just come around to the back door, I'll let you in. I'm like, this is not, this sounds shady. <laughs> so I remember he lets me into his office, and he gets me these, you know, the scrubs or whatever, and I'm sitting in his office, I'm looking around, and there's a book, like, on medical terminology. I'm like, maybe I need to brush up. So I literally grab this gigantic dictionary, and I'm looking at trying to figure out if I can memorize some terms that might come up in the OR. Think about the profound influence of the Bible on the world, the way that it has shaped our culture. Whether you're a follower of Christ or not, it's probably a good idea that you know at least what it says. It's going to be about us taking and reading the Bible. Welcome back to the Take and Read podcast. We have back now number three. Well, some people might argue number four. But this is your third time <laughs> on the podcast. Bernie Calcote is with us. It is That's good right. to see you, brother. Hey, good to see you too. Thanks for having me back. Absolutely. Well, and, and always enjoy this. I feel blessed because what I've learned is that you're you're kind of a a podcaster. You're you're a sought after commodity. <laughs> and uh, just before we got on here, you were telling me a, a story that I think is fascinating, but. You were on a, another podcast not long ago. I was. I actually gave a shout out to this podcast on that podcast. Did you really? I told him, take and read, Pastor Chad Warren, you need to go check it out. I oh, did. sweet. Yep. So w- tell me about this experience. What um, were th- you doing? This was very different. Um, this uh, podcast was called Shifting the Law with Johnny Merritt, uh, hosted by Johnny Merritt, uh, attorney in Austin. And uh, a lot of stuff that we talked about was leadership based, you know, questions and kind of, uh, you know, he was asking me kind of about my story and stuff like that. And we dabbled a little bit into kind of legal aspect of how the world is changing. Because uh, as an attorney, you have a lot of experience in the that, law. That, that's right. Yes. Whenever I took the bar exam the first time, uh, they said, hey, you've never been to college. You can't take this exam. You need to get out of here. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I have zero legal experience. The the legal experience I have is over the years of kind of moving into leadership, reviewing and reviewing and reviewing a bunch of legal documents and picking so up. So you have uh, experience in the law in that you have been a, I don't know, a participant? Yes. In- yeah, I've had to learn the understanding of it just when you own and run a business that there's legal liabilities and responsibilities that you need to make sure you're protected from and like all so that they had stuff. you on because they were like hey we want to talk to this guy who's a businessman who is yeah and i i think that my strength was not in the legal uh portion you were of the it. color yeah you were the the funny guy the comic relief a little yeah. bit um which on a legal podcast you can the bar is pretty low so um <laughs> but uh but now like we have a really great team and culture at our company and i think that he wanted his listeners to get a glimpse of that and that you know hey you can build a firm that's based on you know uh you know our core values and how we build our culture and serving others and all all those kind of things so when he first asked you were you kind of like 
Oh, I, res- I rescheduled. A, uh, yeah, I rescheduled multiple times. I was like, you know, I've never know. been to law school, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, he knew that. I've worked with him in the past, so he he clearly knew what he was getting into with me. So I have a, a, a similar experience in that probably 15 years ago, uh, I was new, just out of college, new into ministry, and I met this guy in church that was a doctor. He was a, a, a family practicing doctor, and he was like, hey, we, we worked out in the morning. We were workout buddies in the morning, so we were there working out, and he goes, hey, by the way, uh, I think I... I figured out a way for you to come and assist with the surgery. This was out of the blue. Like, I, and I'm trying to think, have I ever indicated that I want to be in the surgery or have I indicated that I have some level of expertise in that? Like, I'm like, I'm pretty sure I know because yeah. I, the side of blood, man, it just it makes me, my stomach turn. I get lightheaded. Yeah. Like, so I'm like, what is going on? So I kind of go, Oh, okay. Well, uh, that, that's cool. And I just will walk away from it. And then I get a call he's like, at 11 a.m. me up with somebody else. Yeah. I get a call at 11 a.m. And he's like, hey, so yeah, you're totally cleared to come in and assist. And I was like, today? He's, yeah. Yeah. I need, I need you to come in today. I was like, this seems really like, I, you know that I've never been to medical school. I'm not a doctor. He goes, yeah, I know, but it'll be a good experience if you ever do like a medical mission or something. I'm like, uh, okay. He goes, yeah, I need you here at 1.30. Okay, so he goes, just come around to the back door. I'll let you in. I'm like, this is not, this sounds shady. <laughs> so I remember he lets me into his office and he gets me these, you know, the scrubs or whatever. And I'm sitting in his office. I'm looking around and there's a book like on medical terminology. I'm like, maybe I need to brush up. So I literally grab this gigantic dictionary and I'm looking at trying to figure out if I can memorize some terms that might come up in the OR. So he has me go in. Turns out, it's a kind of same day procedure and it's a cyst removal procedure. And I may be violating a lot of laws right now that I'm even describing this and I'm not <laughs> supposed to, but again, I never went to medical school and it was the, it was a very challenging experience. Yeah. To watch or to not know what you were watching. <laughs> it was, so turns out the kind of surgery we were doing is associated with some really bad smells. Oh, and the, the folks in his office had all kind of said, Hey, we have others, other stuff to do. And so he literally didn't have anyone else to help him that day. So I'm in there with like, you're like doing stuff. You're not just videoing this. You're like, yeah. He's like, Hey, I need you to clean that up. And and I'm like, ah, and he's like, whatever you do, don't lower your hands below your waist. Cause then you'll, you won't be clean anymore. Cause I have the rubber gloves on all sanitized. So I'm standing there like this with my hands up and then he's telling me to grab things. Turns out the whole point of this for him, he had had some interactions with this patient and knew that this patient was, uh, had some severe doubts about God and God's existence. And so he wanted me to come in and see if we could have a conversation because the guy just had a lo- local anesthetic, but he was totally coherent. And so my buddy just wanted me to have a spiritual conversation with him while he's going through surgery. And I'm like, this is the worst time to do that. But the guy was super open to it and and really had a good time. And it was a crazy experience. So whenever you were standing there coming in through the back door, 
No yeah. medical experience. Right. You're standing there with the gloves. Gloves up. <clears throat> was there any moment that you thought, surely the people with the cameras are going to come out pretty soon? Be like, ah, oh, we got you. <laughs> Just kidding. You were really going to do it, man. You thought you were going to do a surgery? Uh, eventually, I actually didn't make it all the way through because I got so lightheaded. I was about to pass out, and a nurse came in to check on like the procedure, see if he needed any other stuff. And she goes, uh, doctor, your friend needs to sit down. And mm-hmm. I was like, I was just pale white. So he's yeah. like, oh yeah, uh, Chad, you need to go sit over there. So I went and sat down, but I kept my hands <laughs> above my head as I sat there putting my head between my legs. Cause I was about to pass out. Looked probably like, oh, uh, that's great. Crazy. Anyway. So hey, I can say all that man. to say, I can relate when you're asked to come and there's this presumed expertise and you're like, that is not anything I know about. Hey, I feel the same way in this podcast. Whatever. There may be presumed expertise about this guys, but I am just an ordinary dude trying to learn from pastor Chad. Yeah, just keep your hands up. And <laughs> I'm going to sit like this the whole time. <laughs> Oh, funny. Yep. All righty. Well, we are back. Uh, I do ask, I want to ask you a, a question. Okay. Um, if there were, like, if you could say in, in this season or in the next season of life that there is some sort of something that you want to know more about God or explore more about God, what would that be mm-hmm. at this stage? That's a great question. Um, I think for me, um, I, we may have talked about this on the first podcast I was on um, at that time. And, and even now, uh, the Bible study that I'm in with a group of guys, we take a passage and then we sit with it for uh, three weeks to a month, the same one every single morning. Okay. And we study, we like, you know, who wrote it, who they write it to, what was the original language, what was the context, what was around it. And then we just kind of like <clears throat> research, really engage the mind and research and um, sit with it and meditate on it for three to four weeks straight. That's like, that's like pot roast in the, in the crock pot. Just, it's just taking, yeah, allows it, it to open up and. Yeah. So I think it, to answer the question, I think in the past I've been, um, and, and this same idea, I think, is kind of spreading through my life. So it makes me feel like God's trying to tell me something from the way I approach his word and how I approach the rest of my life. Um, I used to take just nuggets. Oh, devotional. Oh, this. Oh, I'm, I'm going to be in this passage. Then I'm going to be in this passage. And then I'm going to read a little bit of this. Mm. And I'm going to be good. Um, but I was really never understanding, like really engaging my mind and understanding what does this say? Mm-hmm. Just like you do on this podcast, man. Like, what does it say? Like, what does it say about God? What is it saying to me? And not rushing through it. So um, I, I think the perspective to life is, man, it's really easy to just be consuming a whole lot of different things instead of like finding the, the things he's putting in front of me and then going narrow and deep instead of like wide and shallow. Yeah. Um, so I think in his just my approach to his word is like, man, I, I feel like there's a lot I don't know about Bible history, mm. uh, about the original language. And um, I mean, there's a lot I just don't know that I, I feel like in what I would hope to do, you know, and kind of continue to do is just like a deeper kind of study. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I didn't, uh, ha- I don't have that, 
you know, kind of background. I didn't go to seminary. I don't right. have, you know, and um, so, yeah, I think that's kind that's of where, cool. where I'm at, man. And it's cool that there's a, that that couples with a, you're a part of a community of other brothers that are kind of doing those deep dives mm-hmm. and doing that. And I'm sure that in your times together, you're learning the ways that when you guys are apart, the ways that they're pressing in and resources they're able to gather from. And that's, that's awesome. Uh, being a part of a community that truly gathers around the word of God is markedly different. Mm-hmm. Like there are a lot of ways that we associate and congregate and get excited to be with people. And we're designed for community, whether you're an introvert, extrovert, whatever, whatever Enneagram number you are, it doesn't matter. Like we're designed for, to be with other people. And there's an expectation that, that we will engage with other people. Like the fruit of the spirit, those fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. self-control. Did I miss, I was like, did no, I miss you one? Okay. <laughs> those all require other people. Like, mm-hmm. They require engagement with other individuals to demonstrate fruit of the spirit's work in your life. And so, uh, I just think I'm encouraged by that. I'm encouraged that it's easy. I think even in our walk to chalk up church engagement or church family to be, those are the people I see Sunday and maybe midweek at some point. And, but a lot of our time in small group is around the, the latest game or the weather or what's going on in our business or how the wheels are coming off in our family and we can spend a lot of time, but man, a, a community that gathers around the word of God to let him speak into that, mm-hmm. that's different. Mm-hmm. And so good on you. And man, if you're listening to this podcast, I pray that that's something you can, can have be, you know, a part of your, your walk and in your life. Cause it's just, it's awesome. And if it's not, uh, start praying diligently for it. Cause yep. Um, my wife and I, and one other couple, uh, Allison and Eric, eight years ago now, um, it was just the four of us and we just started praying, God, what if we open our, the doors to our house and mm. we just like invite people, what, you know, what, what do you want to do with this? Yeah. Um, and this, this kind of missional community group that we have, that's been through so many seasons of you know, studying this and then, okay, we just, this is a relational time. And then this is a missional time. This is a, a grieving time, um, that, um, really it's just been with an open hand Mm. and we're not, we're not like, um, any different or like special of some kind than anybody out there listening. We're just ordinary people that decided to like, man, we want to pray and we want to just find like-minded people and go through this life and, and wrestle with these things with other people. And there's a, a diverse group of people that he brought together, but it's, it's pretty awesome. Uh, if you would describe just kind of the logistics of how that group actually functions yeah. so that if somebody's listening and they're like, I want, I want to do something like that, or mm-hmm. man, I've never been a part of that. Break it down. How does it actually work? Right. So <clears throat> logistically, um, this group is made up of mostly uh, families uh, with children. Okay. Um, but not all. Some, you know, couple and then single. But we we took the stance from the very jump that 
um, we just life takes a long time. Like when you have kids, Mm -hmm. like if you're going to go to a restaurant, just getting the shoes on the kids and getting in the truck (laughs) takes forever. (laughs) It's like 20 minute ordeal. Yeah. And we were like, we can't suffocate this thing and rush it by like, Hey, we're going to be every, every Sunday at this time, every, every single week, we're not going to miss. It's like, no, we're going to like keep the bar low and relationally, relationally just try to connect with people. So we started a three week cycle because we know that babysitting and the kids is a thing. Okay. So the first week, the 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 passage will be sent out prior to, so you, everybody has some time to really be digging in. Um, the girls the girls will meet, and they'll either meet at somebody's house or they'll meet at a Starbucks or a bar, okay. have some wine or something. Um, and dads will stay home with the kids. Yeah. Um, then the next week, the husbands or the the men will meet. Uh, and same thing, wives will stay home with the kids. Yeah. And then the third week cycle, the whole, everybody. The family unit. The family kids, unit, kids, everybody, everybody. Okay. meets together. Yeah. Um, and what is what those kind of times look like differs, but that's kind of just the logistics, how we get around like babysitters and how do, you, how do we make time? And, and so like, are the guys and the gals, are they going through when they meet the same passage? Yes. And does it change from week to week? Or you had described, no, it, it may be the same passage well, week after week. Well, it's a three-week cycle. So every time that you meet, you've studied this for three so weeks. So it's the same text when the girls meet. Uh-huh. That same text will be what is looked at by the guys. Mm-hmm. And that same text will be looked at as everyone gathers together. Yeah, but the new, yeah, typically the, That's new, cool. the new text is sent out sometime within that week. So the girls still have a couple weeks. Okay. You know, um, and the hope is, is that it's, it's really just, it's not going to be the thing. We hope that it's the thing that starts the conversations with your wife, with your kid, yeah. with you, you know, that it's the. So in the time together, you've got moms and dads and kids all in the room together and the kids are a part of that engagement with the scripture. That part is not. Okay. Yeah. That, so they're hanging out, playing. That's a, that's a great stuff. kind of goal for 2022, Chad, <laughs> that we could get to that level. But right now, it's just pure chaos. Yes. <laughs> it's it's more of, hey, the these people are kind of like talking about this, and we're having kind of individual conversations, and the kids are running up, and we're just kind of like being together, um, especially in light of the last couple of years. It's like we just need to like be together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of the that's awesome practical rhythm of it. It's uh, it, it there's highs and lows, and there's you know super engagement, and then hey, you know not so much, and so it's it's all over the board. But um, you know, I I feel like this phrase I've been kind of like drilling into my kids' heads lately, and myself, and I think it applies here is I cannot control results and outcomes. What I can control is my attitude and effort. Mm. And so with this group, whatever God wants to do, it's like I can control my attitude and my effort, like how I approach this right. and how, what I can give to it. Who engages? Who doesn't? Do we, do we actually, you know, have a big revelation? Like, uh, I can't control that. Yeah, man, that's good. And, and it, I'm just grateful for you sharing that because I think a lot of times we, we think about Time in the Word is a personal, private time that I do by myself, and maybe there's not as many examples or clarity on or expectation that I would also spend time in the Scriptures with other people. And so I just I appreciate your example. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, of course. 
All righty. Well, we're going to yep. do that today. We're going to jump into the, the word, uh, into the text here. Uh, last time you were with us, we were back in chapter three. We have made it all the way to chapter four, and we've made it a little ways into chapter four. So we're going to actually be, and we're in a season of Jesus's ministry where he is teaching now, and he's teaching through kind of the format of parables. And so that's a really cool uh, way to, you know, to understand the heart of God, but also just a master teacher at work uh, and, and how he is, is trying to do things. So we're going to jump into uh, chapter four, verses 21 through 25. So a small little section in my Bible, it has the heading, the parable of the lamp. So we'll get into this and uh, like we, we do, we're going to talk about what it says and look at, okay, what is it? What does it say? What are the the details and the dynamics here at play. And a part of that is what does it say about God and what does it say about humans, me, us. And then we'll get into what does it it mean and then so what? What are we going to do about it? Okay. All righty, so here we are. uh, And we are in the NET Bible again. Mm -hmm. We were in that last time. Again, the New English Translation, the NET Bible that used to be only on the internet, but now you can get physical copies. So here we go. Verse 21, chapter four, Mark. He, Jesus, also said to them, a lamp isn't brought to be put under a basket or under a bed, is it? Isn't it to be placed on a lampstand? For nothing is hidden except to be revealed and nothing concealed except to be brought to light. If anyone has ears to hear, he had better listen. And he said to them, take care about what you hear. The measure you use will be the measure you receive. And more will be added to you. For whoever has will be given more. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. (laughs) That's intense. Yeah. You start to get into the direct teaching of Jesus and especially the Sermon on the Mount. Mm Mm-hmm. Especially when I read that with my kids, helping them understand just the intensity and the severity of what Jesus is teaching, mm-hmm. and then helping them go. So, since we can't do any of that, what? And it's like it's showing you how much you need Jesus. Yeah, I'm actually. <laughs> uh, I wanted to thank you. I think it was a few podcasts ago. Uh, I can't remember the name of the guy you had on, but y'all were awesome. And he was talking about uh, reading through the scriptures with his kids. Yeah, like, Kurt Prater. Okay, yeah, yeah it was great. Um, I've I've started um, with my <laughs> my middle schooler, uh, my sixth grader. I was like, dude, you know what? We're gonna start reading. We're gonna read through the New Testament this year. Yeah, let's do it. He's like, okay. So we start in Matthew one. You know, <laughs> we get going. We go through the genealogy, the genealogy stuff. Made it through it, but then we get to like Mary, mm-hmm. and like I have not. I mean, this um, this was just like the Holy Spirit kind of saying, "You're going to have the sex talk now with your middle schooler." <laughs> I know you weren't planning on it, but you should have looked ahead to Matthew one and what all it talked about with Mary and like she didn't lay with Joseph and all this. And he's just like, "Well, what is that?" I was like. Okay, I guess we're going to do and he this. he knew her. What yeah. does he mean he yeah. knows her? <laughs> so first. <laughs> That's uh, awesome. Uh, 
thank you for like that example because Amen. my son and I have had a, a lot of time. Uh, even with our four year old, we have the storybook Bible, and he gets excited to do it every night, which is awesome. Yeah, that um, is so cool. But we're into now. We're into the Sermon on the Mount, and so there are a lot of things like this in there where. Just like, oh man, and what you just said is what I just keep coming back to. Now, this he, this is just showing our need for Jesus. Yes, it shows the, uh, you know, the, the standard. Like, it, it's not as though he's saying things that don't matter. Like, he's he's demonstrating a standard of life that is the most righteous, the most fruitful, the most beneficial, the most life giving. And yet we look at it and go, yeah, but I can't in my own power. And that's, that's the point he's showing you. Just like the law is meant to reveal sin that we can't achieve, when Jesus comes and starts to talk about the way we ought to live, there's something similar to play here. Mm-hmm. It's like, yes, this is how. And what we're also going to see is he is demonstrating that that's how he is. He is achieving that standard of life. Mm-hmm. And so when he gives his life for us, it's not that he just dies on the cross for our sins and he takes on our sin, but he also transfers his righteous life. So Mm -hmm. all of these standards that you're like, I can't, it's like, no, you can't, but he did. And now he lays that on you and the father sees that life Mm -hmm. instead of yours. Woo. Yeah. So it's great. All righty. So what does this say? We're talking about a lamp. We're talking about a basket, a lampstand, things hidden, things revealed, things concealed, hearing, having ears to hear. We better listen, receive. Okay, so let's start at the top. Yeah. Uh, a lamp isn't brought to be put under a basket or under a bed, is it? So, yeah, you're talking about a probably an oil lamp. Mm-hmm. If it is, it's small in nature. So if it's put under a basket, the lamp is lit obviously to provide light. If it's under a basket, its light is hidden and it's actually probably snuffed out. So it is it extinguished, as it were. Okay. So this says, for nothing is hidden except to be revealed, and nothing concealed except to be brought to light. Mm. But he says, so he starts out, and the parable is this there's a lamp a basket or under a bed. So there's Mm -hmm. this lamp and then there's a mechanism by which the light or what the lamp produces is hidden. Instead, it's not put there, but it's put on a lamp stand, right? It's, it's, it's put out so that it can produce and provide the most amount of illumination, the most amount of light. And then he goes on to kind of unpack that, that principle, that teaching. Okay. So he's given kind of the metaphor. Yeah. Okay. He's got this metaphor, First. and then he starts to get into so why does he maybe meaning and but why does he say if anyone has ears to hear, he had better listen. It was that because I've seen that uh-huh. in the scripture, like it's something. Why why does he make sure and say that? Uh, I think that has to do with his teaching of the parable. Like you better hear this, mm-hmm. hear this principle or this truth that's being revealed via a parable, mm-hmm. you better hear it. You better listen to it. And he gets into that because um, in the previous passage, he starts talking about the secret of the kingdom. 
and he talks about understanding the parables, like understanding why he's going to teach this way. Uh, and so there's a, a component of he's very intentional in this methodology, and there's he's he's teaching this in a way that there's going to be a group that understands and hears it, and there's going to be a whole lot of people that don't. Mm-hmm. And that's the interesting thing. Um, one of the things about parables that, that I appreciate is um, several years ago, I had, I think I read a, I read a book called Stories of Intent, and it's a it's a commentary on parables. And the author was talking about when you approach a parable of Jesus, the question you have to ask because what he does is he tells parables that are to challenge attitudes and behaviors of his listeners. So the question is, what attitude or behavior is he specifically trying to challenge mm. through a parable? And for me, that helps kind of just narrow the focus like I, because I can get caught off on what it could mean and all the different components of it. Like why a lamp? Uh, could it be an oil lamp or, or maybe it's, it's not, maybe it's wax. Uh, does that matter? Should I look into that? No. Like it helps me know what I don't have to really kind of explore. Right. And what really is happening here. So we can transition into, um, unless let's, well, yeah, you wrap have, up what, what we need to. So you kind of have the, these first and second parts where he said, you know, we, we get the metaphor of the lamp. Yep. Um, take care about what you hear. The measure you use will be the measure you receive and more will be added to you. Okay. Just, just that part. Mm-hmm. How, how does that, what, I mean, first of all, what, what is that saying? I'll ask you the question, but like, what is that saying? Yeah, so he's he's saying that there's a um, the measure of what that you use. Yeah, I think the uh, measure it, it's kind of a marketplace analogy, right? The 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 weight or the measure in which you determine something's validity mm-hmm. or if it's counterfeit or it's it's worth, right? So there's that kind of the measurement um, kind of component. Like if you think about the scales. That kind of thing. So, the measure or or the value with which you receive what is being said or heard will be added to you. So, if you put if you value this and you identify what is being taught as great worth, man, that's going to be of great benefit to you. But if you value this teaching very little, you're probably not going to receive benefit from that truth or that that reality. Whoever so is has say- will be given more. Whoever yeah. does not have. So is he is he saying this to emphasize the importance of hey what I just said about this lamp? Yes, um, I I'm believe now, so. I'm now telling you that if you receive it with no weight, then that's the weight that it you're going to receive. Yeah, that's the value you're going to draw from this. That's the not much. Yeah. Okay. Or benefit that you'll draw maybe is a good way to put it. Yeah. Okay. So really, um, that second part is really just again emphasizing the importance of of the parables of the of the first of the yeah the principle of the lamp. Yeah. And the and what that is. So I think what would be good for us is let's take a look at what does the parable itself mean. Mm-hmm. And so then, once we understand its meaning, what then is the value? Would that be a yeah? Let's yeah. do it. Okay. So again, with that idea of 
his parables are meant to challenge attitudes and behaviors. And so, I mean, bear with us because I think it's beneficial to kind of just really break this down. So he's talking about light and that is a metaphor, right? A, a lamp that's producing light, probably not heat, but light. So it's, it's making things that are unseen, seen. Yeah, that's because the he, big thing. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And so rather than when, when you have a, something that can illuminate, you shouldn't hide it, but you should put it where it can cause the most illumination. It can reveal the most. Uh, nothing that is hidden is hidden except to be revealed. So if there's something that's hidden, it's meant to be then revealed so it can be seen. Um, and so the question is what? And I don't think we get it just in this passage. What is hidden? What is the lamp illuminating? What is the lamp illuminating or what is the lamp representing? There you go. Yeah. So prior to this and after this, he's talking about the kingdom. He talks about uh, if you, yeah, the, you jump into verse 10 of four. So this would be last episode. When he was alone, those around him with, with the 12 asked him about the parables. And he said to them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those outside, everything is in parables. And then he says in verse 26, after this text, he also said, the kingdom of God is like someone who spreads seed on the ground. And so he's told his disciples that they've been given, the, the secret of the kingdom has been revealed to them. And, but Jesus is going to continue to speak in parables to those outside of them. Some will gather and understand, some will not. But for these disciples, I think it's indicating they, they are the lamps. Mm-hmm. They're the ones that can illuminate and reveal this, this secret of the kingdom, this knowledge of the kingdom or not. And that they have a responsibility to that. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Nailed right. it. So, Yeah. So then we go, okay, if that's what, if, if, if we're taking on trying to understand the disciples are hearing him say this to them. Mm-hmm. And now he says, okay, you've been given the secrets to the kingdom and you're the lamp and I'm going to challenge your attitude and behavior. And that is the temptation to hide mm. what you know or to, t- to hide who you are Ooh. in relation to me. Why would that be tempting? Why would they be tempted to put and and to hide what they know Mm -hmm. about the kingdom rather than reveal it? Because that's what's that's the run, right? right? Yeah, yeah. The temptation is I'm going to put this, and and he's like, no, I put it on a lampstand so it illuminates everything. Mm -hmm. You've been given the secret of the kingdom. Are there times? Uh, this may be jumping ahead, but um, what would be the reason that you would feel that, that maybe the disciples would have also felt that? I mean, there's going to, some things that come to mind would be a persecution. Yeah. Like if that's, if it's going to cost me something that I don't want to lose, 
Mm-hmm. So perhaps something I value more than the the truth that I am aware of. So that would be the temptation there too, because it's going to somehow detract from me. Me illuminating, me revealing what I know could cost me. Well, then I'm tempted to mm-hmm. just keep it under the basket. Yeah, it's exposing a certain amount of vulnerability. Right. They had the amazing privilege and benefit of being with Jesus and seeing these miracles and seeing these things happen, right? right? But we have the benefit of having this all together that we can draw in you know, right. encouragement can, from this and, oh, but the word also says this and God also did this. Um, they, I mean, at least this part they didn't have. Right. Um, but we have the whole council of scripture. Right. Um, I, I still think that there is this, um, they're kind of putting themselves out there. Mm-hmm. Like this guy's crazy. He's saying he's the son of God. He's, Everything that we've been taught that the the Messiah would be, this is the opposite. He's he's teaching us these things. They're somewhat. We have you know r- reminders that this is going to appear as foolishness to those that it has not been revealed to. Yeah. So, but they are probably thinking, man, are we just going to look like fools? Like mm-hmm. do it you know, we ha- we're, we're being told all this stuff about the kingdom. And, and I think the que- it's interesting. It's the question of counting the cost and going, is it worth it? Mm-hmm. Is it worth the risk? And that's what's interesting about what he says in the last part of it. He says, take care about what you hear. The measure you use will be the measure you receive. So again, that, that it's a, a metaphor that, in a marketplace, you would measure out the value and the worth of something mm-hmm. to determine how much it, you're going to pay for it. And so the measure, right, the, the way that you, however much you value what you receive, that much will be added to you. For whoever has will be given more, but whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. So there's this sense of to whatever extent you value the word of God, is is how much it'll be worth to you. <laughs> and so in the question of, well, this might cost me and is it worth it? He's saying, even in that question, there's a revealing of, of measurement, mm-hmm. you know? This is, I'm already getting the sense that this is one of those short little passages that I could probably spend three weeks. Yeah. And it would probably be, you know, after two and a half weeks that I'd be like, Oh, that's it. I feel like there's, there's, he's saying some stuff here and I just can't draw it out. Like there's the, the eternal impact of what he's saying here. Mm. I can't get my head around, but the measure you use will be the measure you receive and more will be added to you. Yeah. So the more that you hear, and listen and and value the truth about the kingdom and the truth about who you are, the more that as that increases in value, if you measure that and it's of incredible value, 
more is going to be added to you. Like Mm -hmm. it will continue to increase. But if you don't, whatever you do have will be taken from you. What does that part mean? Uh, where he says, when, when he says it's, it'll be taken from you, the last the last line is that saying, um, you value it so small, why would it be taken? I think it's just an indication that you will have nothing. Yeah. Like you'll have nothing of value. Even what little that you do have, you'll be left like, if you don't value the truth and reality of who God is, mm-hmm. I guess it's the, the value of uh, like the marketplace idea that you're saying. It's almost like what you're willing, you, you value it at this much. This is what I'm willing to sacrifice of my own wealth, of my own self, of my own yeah. to, to have that thing. I'm going to trade what I have for this uh-huh. thing. So, if you have no value for it, then what you are left with is self, which, <laughs> which is, is nothing. Which is nothing. Yeah. Okay. But I think you're right. I think there is, this is an incredibly complex passage. And I think it's hard in this context, the way that we just kind of jump into one section. I really think that this has to be understood in, in the context of the whole. Mm-hmm. As he's as Mark is is expressing this component of why he thinks Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah, and we see this kind of string of his teaching through parables. There, there's a lot to to behold here, and so just entering this in chapter four and jumping into the section, I think it's. I I I anticipate in future episodes probably referencing back to this to go. Oh, I think that provides a little more clarity on what's being said there. Yep. Just more encouragement for you guys to keep listening. So yeah, you'll have, to, you listen have to listen in order to see if that's what happens. At, at least to the next 10 episodes. <laughs> next to get 10. It. Exactly. I think so. Exactly. Okay. So we went through what it says. Yeah. And what we can best understand what it means um, for the mm-hmm. disciples and who they are and, and what they're what the lamp is, what the role of the lamp is, and then the importance of hearing and understanding and valuing that reality of who we are in Christ and, and having been recipients of the secrets, the secret of the kingdom, that there is a, the more that we value that and are willing to be those illuminators those people that God sends out to share the good news and, and to reveal who God is, not only through what we say, but how we live, there will be increased value as we exercise in that life. But if we diminish the value and we don't find much value in, in who God is or what he's revealed to us, or even the role that we're called to play, then we, whatever else we're searching for, is valueless. Mm-hmm. Whatever else we spend our time doing is is pointless once we come to know this. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a pass uh I gotta be careful here. Um I won't get into it. Where are you gonna put yourself on the spot to like find uh, find an exact text? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like I you did the other the... day though man you nailed it. I couldn't uh, do that. 
Yeah, it's in Hebrews. I'm just like, there's somewhere in the Bible it says <laughs> this, uh, I think. Well, it, it's the, the concept, it's in Hebrews, and he he's referencing this idea that's a that really makes a lot of people uncomfortable, as it should, but this idea of people that have tasted of the Spirit, mm-hmm. that have experienced the grace of God, and then turn away from Him, mm-hmm. it's impossible to for them to come back. Mm-hmm. And so I think what scares people on that is, you mean, so they're gone forever? But we also know the whole council of Scripture tells us He's a God of second chances. What that's telling us is that if you have tasted of the good gift of grace and the spirit of God, and that's not enough for you, what else could, could persuade you right. of who he is and his value and his worth and his glory and his goodness? Like if that doesn't work, what else will? And that's what the author of Hebrews no is talking yeah. about there. And um, I don't know how I got on that rabbit trail, but yeah. anyway, Maybe we'll do a take and read on the book of Hebrews for yeah. 20 years. <laughs> that, would, that would take forever. Uh, anyway, Bernie, good stuff. So what do we walk away with given this small but dense pa- uh, passage? I think we have to walk away understanding that we are the lamps, that we hold this light mm-hmm. for the world. Um, that we need to be desperately praying that the spirit would turn our hearts to measure it in a way that we are willing to sacrifice anything mm-hmm. to keep, uh, to keep that lamp on the lampstand. Yeah. Um, man, I'm guilty of countless times that I don't know if ashamed is the word, but just not knowing um, in my own life, in the, in the world of business and, you know, just life, whatever, of, uh, of how and when to express certain mm-hmm. theological things um, and, and just really not wanting to be uh, someone that, uh, is is hiding and not revealing things, but trying to be sensitive to the spirit of like, okay, God, is this the time that I need to mm. say this? Is this I need what, right. what is what is appropriate and encouraging and beneficial in this moment to give these people grace and what what is it? And so um, that's what I walk away with is just an encouragement to um, uh, examine the attitude of my heart towards how I measure. Yeah, this truth, and how do I just keep it, keep the lamp on the lampstand? Yeah, and you had asked earlier, what would be the temptation, or what would cause somebody to not mm-hmm. to, to put the lamp under the basket and try to hide? And and something you and I have talked about, not on this podcast, but over tacos. Granger was not there, sadly, and <laughs> uh, but he's always invited. Um, but it was this. Sometimes it can be, there can be an anxiety around not having full confidence that I understand what the word means, which can then be debilitating. Because then I'm like, okay, I don't want to mess this up. I don't want to give somebody the wrong impression 
and, and steer them down a wrong path because I've mishandled the word. Mm-hmm. And so I would say to that that, yes, there, there are certainly times when if you're not sure what the word is saying, walk with a high level of humility and be okay saying, you know, I don't, I don't fully know what this means. Mm-hmm. Even if you know what it says, you know, the book yeah. of James, like we were talking about, reminds us that that whole be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry yeah. is a posture towards the word. It's not a, a posture in our arguments with our wife. Like it right. has nothing to do with that. It, yeah. is, it is that we need to be, even if we understand it, that we need to be slow to speak and quick to listen to what yeah. it's saying. Yeah. And, and so that, I think that applies here, right? There's this, this kind of, there's this warning tone that Jesus has kind of built into this teaching about being the lamp and the light and hearing it and being willing to illuminate it. And yet there are components of this that, man, I don't think I fully understand the meaning of what's here. And I can admit that going, I don't know. However, that doesn't mean I don't get excited about the things I absolutely know to be true. That there are things I do know that Jesus Christ lived. He physically came to this earth. He is the son of God. He lived and he died and he bodily rose from the dead and he sits at the right hand of the father and that he's coming back someday. Like I know these things. So I may not know all the nuances, but there are things that I do know and I need to be confident to share those things. Mm-hmm. And I think on the other side of that, like you said, it, be, be confident in the spirit if you don't know to say you don't know and yeah. that by saying you don't know doesn't make it not true. Yeah, that's so good. Because sometimes we feel like we have to defend this and I have to, I have to fill in the blanks so that this pe- person will be convinced that this yeah. is true. It's like, not our job. Yep. Not our job at all. Um, Amen. So Oof, that takes the pressure off. Yeah. Cool. Dude, great stuff. This man. is a good day. Yeah. Love Thank it. Thank you so much for being here. I always love it when you you come out of the big city and you just yeah. join us bumpkins <laughs> out here. This is great. No, it's it's great to be uh, on here with you and everybody listening. Make sure that you comment or review yeah. or like or whatever platform you're on, whatever you can do to keep this podcast going. Um, Pastor Chad encouraging people to get in the word and wrestle with it and and take it and read it as simple as it can be like is awesome so i'd love to see it keep going man amen email if you have questions take and read podcast at gmail.com we'll see you next time